Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. Well, you can be comfortably seated on Tuesday night. Welcome everybody that's watching online from all over the world. Pretty amazing. It's 11 o'clock on the East Coast, which means people are just waking up in South Africa and Namibia and got people watching from everywhere. Uh, I told you last night I'm going to begin a series on the gifts of the Spirit tonight, and tonight I am laying hands on everybody in the building. Tonight's going to be uh, a great night where God's going to launch forward everybody that's here to another level, and it won't ever go back to the previous level. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. For the weapons, everybody say weapons of warfare. So the Bible talks about weapons of warfare, which is what the, by the way, great, great job leading worship. How about a hand clap for my new friend? Amen. That was anointed. Praise God. Makes it easy to preach. Too easy. Then the Alaskans don't help. They already make it easy. They actually like going to church. Pretty, pretty, pretty dangerous combination. Amen. So the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And obviously it's not talking about God's strongholds. It's talking about enemy strongholds. And so if the devil gets the church to lay down the gifts of the Spirit, I want you to see it this way, that the gifts of the Spirit are our weapons to destroy the strongholds of the devil. Anybody that's ever tried to lead somebody to Jesus by reasoning with them understands that people are bound spiritually. The Bible says in the same letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said there's a veil that blocks people's minds and they're not able to receive the the truth or the light of the glorious gospel. And the way that that is destroyed is by the operation and manifestation of spiritual gifts. So the way it works is, of course, there's a twofold weapon. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Paul said in Romans 15, I won them by my message. Everybody say my message. And then he said after my message and the way I worked among them. And he tells you how he worked among them. They were convinced by the miraculous signs and wonders that were done through me. So that's the C4 and dynamite that have to go together is the word of God preached and then behind it comes the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example and then I'm going to play play a video like I've been saying I was going to do for the last four days. Uh, I was preaching. I used to not have much of a manifestation of, of the Holy Spirit in my meetings as far as, you know, we'd have an altar service. But as far as like what you've seen this week, it didn't happen. I'd never seen that really. Then I started hanging around with ministers who carried that power. And before I knew it, without trying, this kind of stuff started to happen. I was preaching, and as I was preaching, I stood in front, be like if there, if there was a, a, a guy seated right here, and I stood here. I didn't know him. I was in a place called Millersburg, Pennsylvania, before I was married, and uh, didn't know anybody in the town. 
And I said, if God says you're going to live, you're going to live. I said, even if a team of doctors stood in front of you at Johns Hopkins Medical Center and told you that you're going to die, if God says you're going to live and you put your faith in him, he'll deliver you. And then I went on preaching. Well, when I got done, the pastor's wife came over to me like as pale-faced as could be. She said, do you know who that guy was that you were standing in front of when you said that thing about Johns Hopkins University? And I'll throw this in while I'm at it. While I was speaking, when I said Johns Hopkins, I don't care if you stood, if you were in Johns Hopkins Medical Center and a team of doctors, as it came out of my mouth, I thought, what did you use that for an example for, you idiot? These people live in central Pennsylvania, Johns Hopkins Medical Center's in Maryland. Why didn't you pick a hospital that's closer to where they live? But anyway, you know, it was already out of my mouth, so I just, I just kept going. She said, that man that you stood in front of, she said, I drive school bus part-time as the pastor's wife to earn extra money. And she said, his daughter comes to our church, and her father would never come to church because he didn't believe in this stuff. And then she finally convinced him to come tonight to hear you because of how much she got touched in the morning. And when you were preaching and stood by him, you said, I don't care if a team of doctors from Johns Hopkins Medical Center told you you're going to die. If you'll put your faith in God, he'll cause you to live. He just got back from Johns Hopkins Medical Center, and a team of doctors stood in front of him and told him that he has no chance of living. She said, I watched his face when you said that. And he was at the altar that night. So that's one gift of the Spirit called the Word of Knowledge, which we're not going to get into tonight. The Bible gives nine gifts of the Spirit. I told you three are vocal, three deal with the mind, a revelation gifts, and three deal with the manifestation of the Spirit on your body. The vocal gifts, tongues, gift of tongues. And I, if I have time, I'll get into that because there might be more confusion on the gift of tongues than any of the gifts because just people don't understand it. There's a difference between your prayer language, speaking in tongues, and the gift of tongues. You could go to churches in Wasilla or Anchorage or any other place that the devil's ever been, and they'll say, well, those people all speak in tongues. The Bible says if you do speak in tongues, you're supposed to do it one at a time. But they must have bought a Bible that somebody ripped out Acts chapter 2 because the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came into the room like a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire came and sat on each of their heads, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all, they all began to speak in other tongues, not one at a time. Peter didn't stand up and go, ah, 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 we have a sign-up sheet in the back with 120 slots. Everybody sign up and we'll go. No, they all spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter 10, when Peter was preaching to Cornelius' house, the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit, even as he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit came. So that shows you that the power of God is supposed to come behind your preaching and teaching. Even as he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit came and fell on those believers. And there could be no doubt about it. Peter said, for he said, there can be no doubt about it. For we hear them all speaking in other tongues and magnifying God. That's your personal prayer language. But then there's the gift of tongues, which is a message in an unknown tongue and then is coupled with interpretation to get a message from God to the people. Can you say amen? amen. Tongues, inter and that's done well. Obviously, you don't have multiple people give messages to the church. Tongues is a language is for you. Tongues is a gift because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, a spiritual gift is given to everyone for the profit of all. Spiritual gifts come into manifestation to help others. But what I'm going to preach on tonight is tongues is a gift, an introductory gift, low level, that God gives you 
to help and strengthen you. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto men, but speaks directly to God and edifies himself or buildeth himself up. Can you say amen? amen? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. These are vocal gifts that help us to speak with the power of God and speak with the mouth of God. Then you have revelation gifts. Discerning of spirits. Everybody say discerning of spirits. What's discerning of spirits? Discerning of spirits will let you know that there's, now it's not all negative. In fact, the gifts of the spirit will work better if you keep it tuned on the God frequency and not the devil frequency. You shouldn't always be seeing demons and no angels when the Bible says there's angels ordered to protect you wherever you go. Can you say amen? And so it's not all demons, and I saw a demon behind this bush, and we really need to pray because I, I tell you, Pastor, on the church property, behind one of the parking cones, I saw three. It's not seeing demons all the time, although you will see demons. The Bible says that Peter er, discerned a, a devil. The Bible says that there was a girl that told fortunes, Acts chapter 16. They kept following behind Paul and saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. Listen to them. Why would a demon say that? They, they try to not get cast out. And so finally, Paul realized it was a demon speaking. It was annoying him. It says in the New Living Translation, he became so exasperated that he turned to the spirit in the girl and said, I command you to come out of her. And the spirit left her. And so he could tell it was a demon. Just like when you have somebody come into church and they say amen at all the wrong times and hallelujah at all the wrong times and it grates your spirit, it's a demon trying not to get cast out because nobody in their right mind sits in the fourth row and goes, amen, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they try to talk like us, but they're not us. Can you say amen? amen? And so you can spot them. It's a problem and you deal with it. And then that gift helps you. The Bible says these are weapons that pull down strongholds. How so? Lester, anybody ever hear of Dr. Lester Summerall? Dr. Lester Summerall told a story about a meeting that he was in. A Sunday night prayer meeting in, Indianapolis, or in rural Indiana. And they're sitting there praying. Everybody's in their seat praying. And all of a sudden, this well-dressed woman walks in and comes in and says to the pastor, I'm an evangelist that's visiting from another, from, from St. Louis. And I was in town, and they had a tradition back then. In fact, Spanish Pentecostal churches still have the tradition, which I didn't know. And my wife's great uncle was a pastor in the Spanish Pentecostal church. They had a tradition. Anytime an evangelist was in town, is visiting, you let them speak. Well, I didn't know that. And I'd be visiting a dollar, it'd be Sunday, and I'm a Christian, so I go to church. So I'm sitting there, and the first time I see we have a, a evangelist, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. You know, I don't know much Spanish, but Jonathan Shuttlesworth in Spanish sounds a lot like Jonathan Shuttlesworth in English. <laughs> we have a Jonathan Shuttlesworth here, and we're going to have him come up and speak. Well, you know, so I, I wasn't ready. I just came up and spoke. So I come the next time. They do it again. The next time, they do it again. I said to Doss, what's with them doing this every time I come? They said, well, they have a tradition. Well, then it made sense because you could tell they didn't even want me to speak. They are just like, Jonathan's here visiting again, and... So that's what they would do in early Pentecost if I, because of what the Bible teaches about taking care of traveling teachers. So this woman comes. I'm a visiting evangelist. I have a word for this church. And with the permission of your pastor, I would like to speak tonight. Well, he gives her permission. She gets the microphone, and before she can get one word out of her mouth, Dr. Summerall said there was an old woman that was sitting next to him praying in the Holy Ghost. And as she was praying, she never opened her eyes. And she, when that lady paused... She opened her mouth and said, Thou hast said that you're an evangelist from St. Louis, but you are actually a whore from this city, and you have conspired with another man to take these people's money. 
And now the hand of the Lord comes against me. He said before she could finish the, the word, that woman had run out of the building. And they find out later that that woman was a prostitute who met with her pimp, grew up in Pentecostal church, and said, these people that go to this church are stupid, uneducated people. And they have a tradition. If you come in as an evangelist, you have to preach. If I preach and take an offering for people, uh, for an orphanage in India or something, we can make more money tonight than we would in two weeks. And he gave her permission, and in she walked, dressed up to do her thing, and nobody was any the wiser. You can trick people, but you can't trick the Holy Ghost. And it actually puts a fear of God in people. I guarantee you nobody was lying about the offering with Ananias and, after Ananias and Sapphira hit the deck. Can you say amen? amen. I, bet you, I bet you, you know, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. I bet you after Sapphira hit the deck, the second person that had died in the same service for lying about the offering, I bet you people just started voluntarily standing up and going, um, I haven't been tithing, I've been giving 7%. I just want to say that. I've been robbing God of 3%. I want to be very clear. Because what happens is, on both sides, when the gifts of the Spirit are not in manifestation, it actually emboldens politicians and people to come against the church. But when the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation, turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We got ourselves a little crowd watching online. A bunch of people that can't sleep. The Lunesta butterfly hasn't landed in your room yet. That's good. Acts chapter 4. This is where we left off last night. Verse 31. We already read the prayer last night. The believers are all gathered praying. Two chapters after they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they're praying again. After, <coughs> after this prayer, <coughs> excuse me, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean they were all filled with the Holy Spirit? I thought they just got filled in Acts chapter 2. That's how you know that when churches talk like that, well, we believe that you're filled when you're saved, and that's all. Okay, then why were they wasting their time praying again, and why did God fill them again? Does the Holy Spirit not know how doctrine works? No. That's like saying, well, I got my gas tank filled earlier this year. Okay, you're going to need it filled again. Because you give out. Every day, your faith is challenged. Every day, I mean, why do you think you're tired at the end of every day? Because every day, there's a pressing against your advancement. You conquer it by faith in the Spirit, and then you need it to be refilled and refreshed. Can you say amen? And as you've seen this week and a half, if you keep the flow coming in, you triumph every day with ease. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to end at the end of this week. This has been a launching pad where God is going to take you from where you are now to where he has you to be, and no devil in hell can do anything about it in Jesus' mighty name. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and they preached God's word with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing or great grace was upon them all. In fact, there was no poverty among them. Well, Jonathan talks about how God wants you blessed. The early church was poor. You know, maybe people just can't read. So you go easy on them. 
There was no poverty among them. In the original language, it means there was no poverty among them. That's why they translated it like that. Amen. There was no poverty. Everybody say no poverty. So there was no poverty among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. That's called radical giving, produced by the Holy Spirit. And bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Uh, just for the sake of time, chapter 5, because you have Ananias and Sapphira drop dead, which I already told you about. Then Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders. How many miraculous signs and wonders? Yeah. It wasn't they had one testimony every year about a miracle. They were performing many signs and many wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But now no one else dared to join them, even though all people held them in high regard. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds, not half dozens, crowds of both men and women as a result of the apostles' work. As the result of whose work? The Holy Spirit was not sent to the earth. I don't care how you study it, in what translation, who you want to, there's no way to read the Bible and not understand that the Holy Spirit was not sent to the earth to do a work apart from the church. The Holy Spirit doesn't work without people. The Holy Spirit works within and through people. Can you say amen? amen. Everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in Alaska hinges on a group of people like we have tonight getting hungry and thirsty for God's power and saying, fill me and flow through me so that I can do what you've called me to do and be who you've called me to be. If you know that's why God brought you here tonight, clap your hands one more time and give a mighty shout unto the Lord of the harvest. God will use you online. For whatever reason, I just felt about the people online tonight. That's why I shared it on the way in. And uh, which I don't even think I remembered last night. Somebody else did it. There's people watching. All God needs is one person to get on fire and wreck a whole, whole place. Set all of the devil's agenda back. Because the Bible says, greater is he that lives in you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not an it. He's not a dove. He descended like a dove. He is the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with Jesus the Son and co-equal with God the Father. He's not lesser. He's not to be kept at summer camp and retreats while we only talk about the Father and the Son. Why do you think people get their shorts in a knot so easily about the subject, A, of the Holy Spirit, and especially, B, about his power? Because in the Old Testament, it was the Father on display. God the Father met with Moses. God the Father met with Joshua. In the Gospels, it's the dispensation of the Son. Jesus is on display. But Jesus said, after I go, I will send another. His name is the Holy Spirit. His name is the Holy Spirit. Well, we need it, amen. It's not an it. He's a him. He's a person. Can you say amen? Everybody say the person of the Holy Spirit. If you want to get me angry and get my blood pressure up, which is tough to do because I got low blood pressure, like too low. But if you want to get it up, disrespect my friend, my helper, the Holy Spirit. I love him. He's been a very great help to me in life. He's a gift that Jesus didn't send it by FedEx. 
Jesus to send it had to have all of his blood bled out and beaten. The Bible says you've never seen a movie portray what Jesus really got beaten like and done on the cross because even when Mel Gibson wanted to do it, Hollywood, that was where they drew the line apparently. They said if you show it like you want to show it, we won't even give it a rating, not even NC-17, nothing. You can't show it. We'll give it X. Because the Bible says, number one, he wasn't given 39 stripes because even the stripes were a cat of nine tails, so multiply 39 times nine. So even if it was 39, which it doesn't say specifically how many times he was whipped, the Bible says he was beaten beyond the visage of a man. He did not resemble a human being when they got done beating him. His mother Mary was waiting outside of where he was getting beaten. And you know what your son looks like, don't you? When Jesus walked by, she never noticed it was him. She couldn't recognize her own son after, after he was beaten. And he went through that, not just for our sins, not just to shed his blood so we can go to heaven. He shed the blood to cleanse us so that now after redemption, we could be vessels that could hold the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that that glory dwelt in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. But the Bible says it was never the will of God to dwell in vessels made by human hands. Know ye not, ye are the temple. I am. You are. The will of God is not just for you to be saved, not just for you to go to heaven. What about in the meantime? Sit quietly in your home and try to survive everything the devil's doing? Is that what they did in the book of Acts? No. The plan of God is not just for you to get saved and wait to die. And when churches don't have the Holy Spirit, that's what it feels like when you go in. It feels like 200 people waiting to die. And it looks like some have already died. There's some churches, if somebody died, if you called the paramedics, they'd have to clear out four pews before they found the corpse. Amen. You got a mouth like a Muppet? I just want to testify tonight. I have a testimony. My testimony is I've been having a very difficult week. And I appreciate y'all keeping me in your prayers. And if you just continue to pray, because the doctor says it's going to be an even worse week this coming week. Yeah, that's not a testimony. And so when the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And where the Spirit is, there's life. There's no life. I'm telling you, I don't care what the sign says on the outside. You could say assemblies of God. It can say full gospel. But I can walk in and I got like a built-in meter. And many times I detect nothing. Bum, 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 bum. And then on the flip side, I don't care if it says Baptist. Billy Graham can call himself a Baptist all he wants. You can put on a video of him preaching at Madison Square Garden in 1957. I don't care what he says. First of all, he hints around it in his books anyway. That man was full of the Holy Ghost. Because I know if you tried to preach like he preached, Without the Holy Ghost, you'd have nine hernias and an aneurysm. That guy would get in a stance. He made me look like Charles Stanley. He'd be in a stance like this. Let me. I mean, you'd tear your rotator cuff doing that. You'd have to get him on a pitch count. 
Can you say amen? That guy lit it up, lit it up by the power of the Holy Spirit, tore through this nation, then goes to England. The British press mocks him. That's not going to work in England. Some southern Americans going to come up here and think he's going to preach like that and British people are going to listen. He's in for a rude awakening. He stands up and lets it rip by the unction of the Holy Ghost, gives the altar call. Thousands come to the altar. So you know what they write the next day? That when they play just as I am on the organ, it hypnotizes the people. So you know what Billy did the next night? He said, tonight, in that North Carolina accent, tonight, there's going to be no organ playing. Tonight, no music. Because he read what they wrote. He wanted to show that it was God's power. And then he gave like the most like mundane altar call just to show it was the power of God's word and the draw of the Holy Spirit. I just want, he didn't even like, I think that was the night he didn't even have people lift their hands. I just want those of you that know you need to be saved to begin to stream down. And the altar call that night was like triple what it was before. I told you in the beginning, without Without the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Ghost, 120 people in a room led 3,000 people to the Lord in one day. And without the Holy Ghost, America has churches of 3,000 that can't lead 120 people to the Lord in three years. Without the Spirit, this is nothing more than a moral philosophy group and teaching about heaven and how to love your neighbor and turn the other cheek. But when you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to slap the devil's cheek and make him turn loose sons and daughters and men and women that are under the bondage of the devil. We don't need less of the Holy Spirit in 2019. The devil is raging like he never has before. And it's time to pick up our weaponry for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold go ahead if you know you're on the winning side and you want that armor and that weaponry clap your hands all ye people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Then you have the power gifts, special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. I'm going to go through all of them before I leave town, Lord willing, but I'm starting with tongues tonight because tongues are the introduction. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues and Great boldness, so boldness came from it. Then they went everywhere and preached. Then they worked signs and wonders, and nobody would dare join them, though everyone held them in high regard. You notice in those times when there was revival, the U.S. government didn't move against the church. That's when they wrote laws in, like, let's not make a pastor have to pay for his housing. Because we realize that those people carry power, and they do more good for our community than all of our social good. And now you lay that down for 25 years, don't don't have any move of God, And now the enemy gets emboldened. Let's take that away. Why should the church be tax exempt? Let's tax them. Man, as if, as if. First of all, just don't get me started or I'm going to get my blood pressure up again. You think if you you take the church tax revenue, that's going to solve everything? I live in Pennsylvania. They just told us, if you let us legalize casinos, we will help the schools. We'll get the tax revenue off of it. There's more murders. Sin produces a bigger payroll than the tax benefits from sin can ever pay. Thanks for the 30 of you that amen. 
And then now, now they discuss that. We need to take away tax-exempt status from the church. First of all, you don't even have an agency that can take the tax-exempt status away because the government does not have jurisdiction over the church. The same way that I'm not allowed to go into a public school and preach because of separation of? You are not allowed on the church property because of? That's right. So get your tax money wanting rear end off our property. Amen. And by the way, the thoughts and opinions of Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and opinions of King's Chapel Wasilla nor its subsidiaries. If they took all our tax money, if you shut the church down and you took all the money that was given in offerings and put it into government programs, the thing would go, well, you know, you can see what's going to happen. In the tribulation, they'll have all our money. And it's not going to be seven good years. It's going to be seven bad years. So there's this mindset when the church moves out in power. I told you before, if you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert, there would be a shortage of sand in five years. Because the, the, the money actually never gets where it's going. I'm not going to get into climate change and all that, but even if you believed climate change and you agreed, we all agreed that they could pass a $1.5 trillion global tax to turn the climate of the earth down. Do you actually think the money would ever get to where it's going? You have to be out of your mind. Why don't you read what these politicians, I hope they're watching, so you can repent and send the money back. Why don't you read? Have you ever read what these politicians were worth before they got in office and what they're worth now? How do you become president and you're worth $180,000, million, and then you're not president anymore, you buy a $30 million house, then another one in Chicago, and it's not just it. Hillary Clinton, when they left Arkansas, they were worth like $400,000, the Clintons. They're worth hundreds of millions now on a government salary. You don't need an A-plus in math to know something doesn't add up. You know, if you ever met people from the mafia, which I've met a few, some before they were saved and some after they were saved, the reason the mafia never had any respect for the government is they said they're just doing what we're doing but with legal paperwork. And then I remember when I heard him say that when I was younger, I thought, well, that's, that's kind of a twisted way to look at it. And then now that I'm 30, I think, correct, amen. Because it's all money. The love of money, abortion is not about women's rights. Abortion is about pre-negotiating the sales of organs of fetuses that they can sell for medical research for the kidneys, for the stomach, and actually they'll pre-negotiate. It's all on tape. They'll pre-negotiate, sorry, sorry to deal with this. Maybe next, t tomorrow I'll just get back into like love your neighbor and we'll give out bread to hungry people. How's that? But tonight, I, I'm, I'm, because until you realize there's a problem, you're never going to desire the weaponry to get involved. When you start to get disgusted with how wicked the system is and you realize, one, and it's one thing to get disgusted, then the second thing is you have to realize you can march with a sign for 40 years and it won't fix anything. And the other thing the church needs to wake up to is they thought for years we can get a Republican president, Republican Senate, Republican House, we can overturn abortion. Well, two years ago, we had a Republican president, Republican Senate, Republican House. They not only didn't defund it, they voted to fund it. So you realize that the political arena is two heads on the same snake. 
to divide the population and keep them fighting on Facebook. But I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I am an ambassador from an invading kingdom that will soon set up shop on planet Earth. And of its kingdom and its government, there will be no end. I am representing the Prince of Peace, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the great I Am, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. Yeah, they actually have stories that because they pre-negotiate the baby's body parts for medical research, when a woman changes her mind and says, I don't want to get an abortion anymore, they try to talk her back into it because the parts have already been pre-sold like a car. Wicked devil. If you go on my YouTube channel, I prophesied in February that Planned Parenthood's about to have the worst year it's ever had. All of their money is going to dry up and it's going to go, it's going to go into the kingdom of God. And it was, it, it was less than a month later that they were federally defunded. You know, you need to, you need to wake up. Well, no one should have a right to say what I do in my bedroom. I agree, but don't make me pay for it either. Don't, don't pretend like babies appear in the womb. Abortion is a sacrament in the world so that people can go out and have sex against God's law with anybody they want and then kill the baby so they can keep living. It's wrong. Wrong. And people can have a different opinion as long as you're clear that I'm still correct. And it, it, you know, it's one thing when you're young, you're like, oh, abortion's wrong, you shouldn't kill babies. Then when you start seeing how wicked the system is, when the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, that was taught to you in Sunday school. Like, okay, so when your grandma gives you $5, don't love that. You know, no, it, it's talking about when you get to the, to the backside, to the root of what's going on, there are people that play with human lives. You know, the Bible talks about a group of people called warmongers. You know what that is? That's people that make money off of the lives of people. They just want endless war. They're not interested in freedom or democracy. They're interested in resources. And also, you study it, they're invested in companies. And you don't make any money in peacetime. Nobody's buying jets. Nobody's buying missiles. Nobody's buying ammunition. But if you're in war, then you get paid. So you send all these guys off to their death to fight for what? For what? What is our military doing in a hundred and some nations? And I'm pro-military, super pro-military. They just take orders. But when you go to the highest level, people don't want war in Syria because they're concerned about Syrians. Don't give two poos. Couldn't name you one Syrian. I'm concerned about Syrians. Name one. Name one by name. Well, there's something I say to make it sound like it's okay to go to war. And so when you go to war and bomb people and nothing comes of it, you can't turn Iraq into Pennsylvania, establish democracy. It's getting quiet. When I was younger, I used to think when you were amening, you were preaching well. But then I learned the quieter it gets, when it's tight, it's right. So you got people that make money off of war. You have people that make money off of abortion don't care anything about human lives, are willing to sacrifice babies or men and women for an agenda to enrich themselves. 
When you're young, you think that's wrong. And then when you get a little older, like my age, and you start getting your tax bill. First of all, if they want to deduct your taxes every paycheck and you had to pay it all at once, the state house would be burned down by the morning. If people realize, because people think they're making like 400 a week. Well, I make, you know, I make 400 a week. No, why don't you look at your actual check? So then you realize, okay, they took $170. I actually made $570, and they gave me $400, and, and they took $170. Okay, well, what's that $170 going to? Roads and stuff? Nope. Why don't you look what it's going to? It's going to fund abortion, not just in the United States. Up until this year, it was going to fund abortion in Mexico City, in Africa, that you had to go to work so other people could have free abortions in other countries. Now, I wish I had a lobotomy or something and I could just hear that information and be like, okay, well, what can you eat? No. I have a fire in my belly. But number one, and I, the last place I need to tell this is in Alaska because if anybody understands freedom, it's Texas and Alaska. What a man earns... He has a right to keep. So I understand we need roads. And I was going to say schools, but the way the public schools are going, I don't really want to pay for that anymore than I want to pay for abortion, to be honest with you. When they turn, when they turn into communist indoctrination centers to teach people to hate God, hate the government, hate their parents, and hate wealth. Hate people that own jobs or own companies and create jobs. So when you find out that you're paying for that stuff, and that you work from January 1st to May 1st just to pay for other people's things. That's a wicked system. I'm going to preach in Canada in a little while, assuming they'll still let me in the country. But it, it's even worse there, you know, because the taxes are higher. And then they trick the people. Yeah, but I know we have higher taxes, but we get free health care. Give me half your paycheck every week. I'll give you free ice cream. I'll buy you a free pack of gum. I'll give you all kinds of free stuff. Remember this while we're talking about the love of money because that's how they hoodwink the whole, the whole country. People don't understand economics. The government doesn't have any money. The only money they have is your tax money. So when you hear them say, we're going to build, say, I'm going to build. We think the government should pay for abortion. I have to pay for abortion. And I'm not doing it. And then now the thing that got me on this in the beginning back when you liked me, was now, now the threat is that we're going to start to tax the church and strip nonprofit from the church. Let me just say on record, and I hope rightwing.org, uh, rightwingwatch.org's recording, make sure you get every word, because I mean it. It will be a cold day in hell with the devil singing Frosty the Snowman before I take one penny of somebody's offering money and turn it over to the government to pay for abortion. There are certain things. There are certain things I am more than willing to go to jail for. Because I've read the book of Acts. If you go in in the anointing, you don't stay in very long. Also, I don't know if you've been following my travel schedule. I could use three days off. Make some new friends, get a free tattoo. Amen. Hallelujah. You have, I, want, I want in this revival... I want to impart a spirit that's in the Nigerian church, that's in the South African church, 
that's in many nations, but, and I pray it never leaves this nation. And that is we are not here to comply with what the devil wants. We have weapons of warfare to tear down everything that's been said against the church. And we're going to do it. We're doing it right now. Right now in Wasilla. Every stronghold of the devil is being destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you know you're on that winning side, put those hands together again. And let God know he's got an army. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1. Verse 5. Verse 4 says, The Lord gave me this message. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Christians make such a big deal about abortion. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I said, you so didn't only know him, he already had his destiny mapped out. Hallelujah. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Prophets, you can't become one, you're born one. You're ordained by God from your mother's womb. Can you say Amen. Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for I'm too young. But the Lord said, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. The Bible says in, the, in, I think it's the New King James Version, don't fear their faces. So if you're ever going to be a proper preacher, that's the first thing you have to get delivered of. Is not caring when you preach a point and someone goes like this. If somebody can record that and enter it in the fine arts competition, I appreciate it. And get a Bible college scholarship. Everybody say, don't fear their faces. You have preachers do that all the time now. They'll, they'll issue a statement, and then there's backlash on Twitter, so then they issue another official statement. There's one preacher, he just posed with Benny Hinn and uh, Rodney Howard Brown at an event, took a picture, they put it on Instagram, and then his followers got mad because they're prosperity preachers. 
and he wasn't. How could you be with them? So he lists a statement the next day. I apologize for the picture that came out. I'll be more careful with who I saw. You know what a two-faced. One problem people have with our ministry is I don't, I don't care. Like if I offend, if I said someone by name and offended them, which I don't do, I would apologize to them. I'm not apologizing to a mob of people that have nothing to do with anything. We don't like what you did. Who are we? I was in my bedroom when I was eight years old and an angel came and called me to preach. I don't remember you being there. Unless you were hiding behind my Inspector Gadget doll. Amen. But I don't think anyone was back there. So when God anoints you and sends you to do something, you can't be controlled by people. Because I'll tell you, I will tell you two powerful weapons that you can have in life aside from the gifts of the Spirit. One is to not be manipulated by your own emotions. And the second one is to not allow yourself to be manipulated by other people's emotions. I had a girl come up to me when I was like 25. I didn't even have, I'd never had this happen. It just came out of my spirit. She comes up to me and goes, I want you to know that a lot of what you said tonight made me mad. I said, I don't, I, how you feel doesn't matter to me. People haven't been talked to like that. I'm not ruled by people's feelings. When Jesus said, unless any man eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he can't be my disciple, and the whole crowd, okay. We like the blind eye part. We like the free fish and chips part. But this part, that's a bridge too far. Unless anybody eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I'm out of here. When they left, what did Jesus say? Wait. No, no, no. I was talking about communion. You misunderstood. No. The Bible says he watched them go, and then he said to Peter and the boys, you guys want to go with them? It won't make any difference to me. I am sent with an assignment from heaven. And that's what my generation doesn't understand because everything is a poll. Joe Biden gave a speech today. Fox News reports that 53% of the people liked it, 40% of the people didn't like it, and uh, 9% of the people uh, were watching Cardi B and don't even know there's an election next year. <laughs> so they run everything. They run everything by, you know, you're judged by whether people liked it or didn't like it. But if you want to be a Christian, Jesus said, if the world hated me, how much more will they hate you? But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, and when they persecute you for my namesake, not because you're a jerk, for my namesake, I will give you, if you take my abuse, I will give you my crown and my reward. If any man wants to be my follower, he must deny himself daily. Take up his own cross. We don't like that you said that. That's how it's supposed to be. If I got invited on The View because they loved my preaching, I'd, I'd check what I was preaching. If CNN wanted to have me on, we, we think you're one of the best preachers. I, I would know I was backslidden. You can't have, if, if pro-abortion, anti-Israel, anti-holiness, anti-family, anti-sexual purity, anti-marriage, people like what you're preaching, you got a problem. The Bible says when John the Baptist was in prison, who came with the spirit of Elijah, that the king had him arrested because of what he was preaching, and then the king would come and meet with him. And you know what John the Baptist would tell him? Hey, listen, I want to say a blessing for you. Um, if you'll let me out of here, I'll give you like a, a really special blessing. You know what John the Baptist said? I heard you, you had your brother killed so you could marry his wife. You better repent, brother. 
And you know what the Bible says? This is a very interesting thing that you're going to find out in life. The Bible says that John the Baptist's words troubled him, but he would often send for him to have him tell him it again. People like to feel their spirit, even if it's convicting them. So John the Baptist, somebody tells you, hey, you had your brother killed so you can marry his wife? I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't repent, that thing will send you to hell. And it irritated him, but on the inside, he could feel the anointing. That's the word of God. So John the Baptist, even in prison, would not back down. Turn to Acts chapter... Yeah, put a marker in Jeremiah. Turn to Acts chapter 24. Acts 24. Acts 24. Verse 1. This is Paul the Apostle. This is his ministry. Five days later... Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer, Tertullius, to present their case against Paul to the governor. So Paul's under arrest. Spent half his ministry under arrest. Preached with a blinking electric ankle bracelet. Let me just tell you this to to get it out there. If I spoke like I spoke tonight, now in America you can do it for now. And you'll be able to do it as long as I'm alive because I, I will fight that. You, uh, the devil can't take a country over. People have to lay down and let him. And I, I'm not laying down. But let's say I was preaching like this in another country and they came and arrested me because I spoke out against the government. There's no freedom of speech. This is the last country that has freedom of speech. And Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Google and George Soros are doing everything in their power to take that away. But I got news for you if you're watching. Mr. Zuckerberg on your own platform and YouTube and Twitter, and all the rest of you. We were preaching before you came into existence, and I'll be preaching long after you're gone. My ministry was not given birth to by social media. Can you say amen? amen. You, have, you almost have to wonder if they ended up taking all preachers off of Facebook and YouTube and Twitter if the crowds wouldn't start quintupling because now they couldn't sit home and watch you with Cheeto crumbs in their chest hair. They actually had to come to the meeting. As a word of knowledge for somebody watching, <laughs> clean your chest off, sir. Can you say amen? amen? But you think of this. If I spoke like I spoke tonight and then they came and arrested me, do you know what preachers would say about it? Not Alaskans. You'd like me more. But pre- preachers would say, well, did you hear Jonathan got himself in some trouble? Yeah. You know, he says things a little strong and uh, he went a little too far. Because they would think if you got arrested, it's like a mark against your ministry. Now, if I get arrested for punching my wife, which first of all, there would be no arrest. You would just find a preacher named Jonathan Shuttlesworth with over 61 bullet wounds. (laughs) My wife don't play. My wife was born and raised in Boston, and you can't, like, have a firearm in Boston. So when she first married me, we were preaching in West Virginia, And this guy invited us to shoot guns at his house. That's what they do in West Virginia. Like in Alaska, you invite somebody over for dinner. West Virginia's like, want to come blow something up with me? So we go over there, and uh, the guy's like, would you like to shoot guns? My my wife looks both ways to make sure there's not a police officer. She's like, guns? You're allowed to have guns? He said, yeah. This is America. So he starts telling her about, like, firearm rights and stuff. She, she, She went overboard. She has like, she's like 
a saved Laura Croft. Like two guns. She bought a special thing to wear when you wear a dress where you have a gun on each thigh. It's like, what are you, hey, hey Adonis, we're going to church in Pennsylvania, not Pakistan. Take it easy. So if I got arrested, people would say he, he went too far. When actually, you almost have to wonder, and I've thought of this sometimes, and I don't feel I'm wrong, but I thought, like, it's almost a shame to have been preaching for 17 years and never get arrested. Because what you're saying is not really troubling it. Now, I played you, how many of you saw that Newark video that I played in Newark, New Jersey? Well, I did have them put the police, take traffic signs and put them at my meeting that tonight will be the last night of Jonathan Shuttlesworth's meeting three nights early. So that's close. They can't arrest me legally, or I'm sure they would have. But, you know, they, anybody ever hear of the evangelist Jack Coe? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever hear of Amy Simple McPherson? Yeah. Both arrested. Anybody ever hear of R.W. Shambach? Yeah. Arrested. Not for punching someone. Not for doing something illegal. Jack Coe had a night in his tent meetings. I feel the anointing anyway in Alaska because this place is like heaven. First of all, like I said last year, it's like you're driving in a screensaver. <laughs> I've never almost crashed into another car because I was looking outside instead of at my phone. <laughs> and, then, and then you take today, you had the same weather as San Diego without the government of California. Yeah. Now you talk about heaven on earth. That's heaven on earth. Now, of course, come October, they make up for lost time. But for now, Alaska's like heaven. The sun never sets. The word of God never stops going forth. We have services like nine times a day. We're in service number 22 in less than two weeks. Hallelujah. Alaska is in revival. This is the hour of heaven on earth. Lift both hands to the Lord wherever you're at. Every prayer that you've prayed up until now, everything that you've put your faith out for, in the name of Jesus, may it be delivered unto you tonight. May it be delivered unto you and to your children and your children's children. Your family will not be in hell. You're going to heaven in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive it, shout amen like an Alaskan earthquake. Every time you do that, there's always one person watching there right now. What's the interpretation? Interpretation is watch somebody else's Facebook page. Amen. You can, feel, you can feel it down in your bones. Amen. Jeremiah that I started to read said, it's like a fire shut up in your bones. Yes. I'm weary from holding it in. I'm not holding it in. I'm letting the lion out of the cage. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Somebody say, let the lion out of the cage. Yes. 
Jesus, the Bible says about lions, Proverbs 30, 30, the lion is the strongest of beasts and he turns away from no one. And the Bible says Jesus is the what of the tribe of Judah. Now, where does Jesus live? I know he lives seated next to his father at the right hand of heaven, but the Bible also says by a mystery, he also lives in your heart. The lion of the tribe of Judah with red eyes and teeth white with milk lives on the inside of you. So people are as I pray for me, I'm under attack. Let me ask you something. If you had a lion in a cage and your house was under attack, would you fight? I wouldn't. I'd let the lion out of the cage and I'd go lock myself in a room and let nature take its course. I'm going to tell you something. What the gifts of the Spirit do is that lion that's been locked in a cage with you, I'm getting under attack on when you let that line out of the cage through your mouth, through your hands, through the revelation gifts of the Spirit, that line will tear to shreds every demon that was stupid enough to tread on your property. I promise you right now, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, every infringement of the gates of hell against the church of the Lord Jesus in Alaska, in America, it is being uprooted right now. You are being delivered. You are being set free, not by might, not by power but by the spirit of almighty God hallelujah, hallelujah. somebody say enough's enough. enough's enough say I'm not going down I'm going up higher and higher into the presence of Jesus Lost one lady over the gun comment. She's going home to watch a movie with guns. <laughs> Jack Cole was a great healing evangelist. And he went down to Dade County where Miami is. And he would have something in his meeting called ambulance night. Where they would put a second tent up off the property so that people could sign their loved ones who were terminal cases in the hospital that couldn't sit in a meeting and bring them with their attending physician. Bring them with their attending physician. Bring... <laughs> Bring them with their attending physician. And then he would go and minister to them when he finished preaching. They had like three, I'm at the numbers, I might be off by like 10. They had 360 people that were signed out of the hospital in the bed. And he had 320 of them immediately healed, get up out of their beds and go home. 320 out of 340. Well, you're, you're clapping. But Alaskans are extremely intelligent people. I'm not saying that to be nice. I've never said anything to be nice. But you'll know where I'm going before I even say it. If we did that tonight, let's say, let's say as the Lord kept moving, word got out so much that people started signing their loved ones out of the hospital and bringing them here to be healed, and we, start, we kept clearing out the beds one after another. Well, you would clap and say amen, but what do you think the pharmaceutical companies would do? Because... By the way, I probably, you know how many Shuttlesworths are preachers, but in my family, I probably have more nurses than preachers. So we love the medical community. I'm not talking, you know, it's like politicians. You don't get mad at politicians. There's people above them pulling the strings. 
And it's the same with a nurse or a doctor. They can't choose. Just like if you're a Christian public school teacher. You can't go in there and say, oh, I'm going to teach creation. They'll fire you mid-class. So when it comes to the management of the hospital, a hospital manager is like a hotel manager. You are actually graded in your job by the amount of beds that you keep full. And if it dips, well, it's a business. The love of money. As soon as you realize that no politician gives two poos about you or your family, but you are an asset that money can be taken from. So if I'll give you free health care, but we need to raise taxes, it's all to get money. Can you say amen? amen? America, if you study it in history, didn't have any federal income tax till 1913 to pay for World War I. And it started at 2 or 4% and was told it would never go above that. And America was fine. Before 1913, there were roads, there were schools, there were hospitals. Actually, churches and private individuals would have so much wealth they'd build a hospital. You don't need, what, what has basically happened, and that's why I have to get into this stuff. Why do you have to do politics on the platform? Why do politics have to get into holy matrimony? You pushed first. Define marriage. We need to redefine. You didn't get to define it in the first place. God defined it. So when you infringe, don't expect me to be quiet. I wasn't raised like that. My father, how many of you have heard my father preach here? Now, you, wanna, you probably won't believe this, but I was there. He told me when I started school in first grade, if anybody ever pushes you, you don't push them back. You punch them as hard as you can in the nose. Break their nose. He was telling it to me like he was like giving an altar call. Like, you need to get, break their nose. Do you understand me? And he said, even if the kid's bigger than you, because if you get one good shot in, word will get out and the rest of the people will leave you alone. So that's how I was raised. You're going to turn the other cheek. I ran out of cheeks like three cheeks ago. I've turned my cheek a lot as a Christian. I don't know why everybody is protected. You're, allowed to, you're not allowed to say anything to offend anyone, but then with a Christian. You're allowed, you know, you would turn on any TV show tonight. Jesus, blank in Christ. Did you know one of our Ten Commandments is not to take the Lord's name in vain? And you put that on every show, and it's fine. Can't sketch Muhammad, which is fine. I don't think you should just incite people to be angry. You should respect people. But why is it that because, well, you don't sketch Muhammad and don't picture him in a cartoon like South Park or Family Guy because that offends them. Well, you know, it offends me to hear the name of my Lord and Savior mixed in with foul words. But we have to sit and take it and just sit and take it. And you know what the devil will do to a Christian? He'll just keep infringing. It's like he'll just cherry pick all the verses about being nice and peace and strive for peace with all men and, and strive for peace with the government and then skip all the parts. Like Daniel and the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they told the king, they defied the king. Oh, king. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. For our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow to your God. You know, maybe the Holy Ghost won't let me get into the gifts of the Spirit without first there being a consecration that you're not going to bow to the world. Brother Hagen would not get in his car after he got done teaching and listen to the top 40. Or, you know, rock or rap or hip-hop or country. They were set-apart men, realized, I am here for such a time as this. 
that in every generation, this is what I don't understand about people that teach against the Holy Ghost, because if you just study demographics, not even the Bible, let's say the early, well, God gave the, the reason we read what we read in Acts is because there was a special outpouring of the Spirit then so that they could get the gospel out. Okay, and let's say they won everybody to Jesus. Then all of them die and their kids grow up. Now they need to be saved. Every generation must have its own outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And remember I said this. In every generation, the gospel in your generation will either take a giant step backwards or a giant step forward. And in the last generation, it took a giant step backwards. And I've made up my mind which way it's going in my generation. I'm on my second 21-day fast of the year. I'm not saying it to make you feel like, make you think a lot of me. But I'm telling you, I'm not just spouting off at the mouth. I'm not fasting and praying for me. I got plenty of money, plenty of everything, plenty of everything. God has been too good to me. This fasting and prayer is, Father, let your, I thank you for what you're doing in this country. I thank you for beating back the onslaught of the gates of hell. But I pray that you will use my life, that now that we have our foot on the neck of the devil, to grind it into powder till there's gravel lodged in the back of his head. I pray that from now till Jesus comes, you would light me ablaze and undo every plan of the wicked one. Somebody say, Lord, use me. God will use all kinds of people. You can look like me, looking like I'm wearing an old lady's leisure suit. You can look like my friend that looks like he should be on a postcard for Alaskan men. You can look like anybody. God will use all kinds of people. Can you say amen? God will use women. <laughs> I put, you know. Devil hates women. Look what women, what they do to women in every pagan religion. They're abused. Have to wear a black veil in 120 degree heat. And the man, man can walk around in like Nike shorts and flip flops. And the UPC is no different. Women have to look like they came out of a barn in 1807. Long denim skirt, look like they're on Little House on the Prairie. And then the man's wearing like modern clothes. The devil hates women. We put that video on to announce the extension of the revival. Somebody types in all caps on the comments. If his wife preaches, he's a false prophet. Yeah. I'm not even a true prophet, you idiot. I'm an evangelist. It said it right on the thing. Learn to read. Learn to sound the word out. Starts with an E, then V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S-T. There are people at Billy Graham's meeting. False prophet. He's a Baptist. You dummy. False prophet. He lives in a denomination that doesn't even believe in prophets. His wife preaches. He's a false prophet. She should be quiet. I know. I've told her a few times, but she, she won't. No, I'm kidding. Just, just kidding. Women should be silent in the church. Yeah, Paul said that to one group of people. Then there was another group of people, the Romans. 
that he identified Julia, Julia, as my co-laborer, and in the Greek it's co-apostle. And the King James purposely translated it to Julius because they refused to concede that there was a woman apostle. Ah, yeah. 60% of the missionaries on the field are women. The devil hates women. But God loves women. Jesus sat and talked to a woman at a well, and even his own disciples said, what's he doing talking to a woman? It's not done in this culture. He said, I didn't, I didn't come to be a part of the culture. I came to liberate. And the Bible even says in the first sermon, I'll pour out my spirit on how much flesh? Yeah, not, not just flesh that wears brute. Flesh that wears Chanel. Everybody say all flesh. Your sons and your will. Oh, what does prophesy mean? Speak. Speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. In the, you read the Old Testament. There were jobs that men didn't have the guts to do that a woman named Deborah got anointed and did what no man had the guts to do. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. If you're a child, if you're 90, if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're divorced, if you were on drugs, it doesn't matter what you were before tonight. If you let that Holy Spirit flow on the inside of you, God will pick you up and use you to shake your generation. Go ahead. Let God know you're available for service. Let the shout of the Lord come up. Safety blazers. Are you the two brothers I called out last week that I said the one's going to preach and the other's in business going to Oh, it's you two. Told you I'm not a prophet. Just asking questions. God will use you. You don't have to go to some, you should go to Bible school and get trained. But don't let them turn you into a khaki pants, navy blue blazer with brass buttons and the suit's two sizes too big. Suck all the life out of you. Go to Bible college on fire. I grew up in church. You'd have a kid at 18. I feel called to the ministry. I feel the Lord's going to use me to shake my generation. They graduate four years later. Um, I have a few thoughts that I'd like to share with you tonight. <laughs> like they went to the have your pet spayed and neutered. <laughs> Hello, I was on fire for God four years ago, and then I went to Bible school. And, and they took part of my brain out. At orientation, we had lobotomies. Then they bought me an old man suit, even though I'm 21. And I want to share a few thoughts with you. I promise I won't keep you long. That's why I keep people, teach people for an opening line. Promise I won't keep you long. If you have to apologize for what you're about to do, listen, I'm sorry I even have to speak to you people tonight. But I'll keep my comments very brief. I was in Bible school. I thank God for my dad and my uncles because it showed me that what they were saying was false. You know, they told me stuff like this. This was like 
what, 15 years ago, or more, more than that, 17, 18, 19 years ago. Well, just so you people know, uh, the days of people coming night after night to hear a preacher are over. We have to find new and interesting ways to reach people with the gospel. They're already telling me, what I felt called to do, it ain't going to work. But I knew it would work. Actually, we've been doing noon and seven every day. You know when I started doing noon and seven? Because you never heard of anybody doing that. People weren't even doing night meetings anymore. Just Sundays, an evangelist would go somewhere Sunday, and that's it. Because they had talked everybody out that they could make an impact. Well, it's different now. The times have changed. People are very busy. Let me tell you something. Netflix isn't burning up the internet because everybody's super busy. People actually have the most spare time they've ever had. Statistically, it used to take 90 hours on average to run a house. That's why the man worked and the wife had like 14 children so she could have her own labor force. Some of your great-grandparents had so many children they formed a labor union. The older children are on strike. They're marching outside of the farm right now. They want more breakfast. Now, now it, on average, it takes six hours to keep a house up. Washing machine, running water, all that stuff. People have time. And, it, that's, and so it's not that people aren't hungry. My father told me this when I was starting out in evangelism. He said, the problem you're going to find is not with the people. The problem is with the leadership. And that's what Jesus found. Did Jesus have a problem? Who put Jesus on the cross? Prostitutes? Drug addicts? Alcoholics? No. They were the ones following him because he had set them free. The religious leaders that hated miracles. My father told me that's what you're going to battle. It's not the people. The people are great. But then what happens is, what's happening now in America, where now you get a pastor who's more on fire than me. I'm not saying that to be nice. And then you combine and you both have a hunger. I haven't heard him say one time, boy, you know, normally in the day I like to do X, Y, and Z, but I haven't had a chance this week. You know, you, talk, you, you preach for some people, they're so involved and in, in ingrained in the world that church like breaks them out of what they really want to do. I mean, good Lord, you live in Alaska, I grew up in Maine. The first snowflake falls. It goes across Fox, ABC, CBS, Canceled. First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, New Baptist, First Assembly of God, Second Assembly of God, New Life Assembly, the church split, Newer Life Assembly. <laughs> they just start canceling church right, left, and center because the truth is the preacher doesn't want to be there. Wow. Honey, it's snowing. We don't have to go to church. I don't have to preach tonight. Wow. No, no love. They don't love what they do. Can you say Amen. But when you get a pastor who's on fire, he was telling me at lunch today, he said, I'm going to start rearranging everything where all I do is study, pray, preach, and prophesy. Yeah. You want to know, I could have been around other guys his age, and I know he's young, but I'm telling at his age, I've been around other pastors. Well, I'll be passing the baton soon. Uh, you're 48 not 98. My father went to his Bible college reunion. He called me up and told me this, and it was so anointed. I was in Namibia. I talked to him from overseas. He said, Jonathan, I just went to your mother's Bible college reunion. All my classmates were sitting with me at lunch. He said, that was the first time I realized I guess I'm older. He said, I never thought like that. He said, uh, they were sitting and they were all talking about it. 
I'm resigning my church, turning over to my assistant pastor. I bought some sheep and some land, and I'm going to become a shepherd. Uh, that's going in reverse. You don't become a pastor to train to be a shepherd. You become a shepherd to train to be a pastor. 60 years old. Everybody say 60. That's not old. I'll be 60 in 22 years. And the first 38 went like this. 60's quick. So what does the devil do to people? I'm 60 now. I'm buying some land. I'm going to quit. First of all, where in the Bible do you ever read anything about retirement? And the angel appeared unto Gideon and said, wrap it up. The Lord sent me to tell you he's about done with you. You actually hear the opposite. Anytime the word of the Lord comes to somebody, it's somebody that thinks they were done, and God says, you're just getting started. I prophesy to many people tonight, the devil thought you were done, but you're just getting warmed up, and tonight you're going to step into your destiny. I said, tonight you're going to step into your destiny. I said, tonight you are going to step into your destiny. The devil thought he had you, but the tables have turned. Now he's on the run. <laughs> Say, I'm just getting warmed up, baby. Say it with passion. I'm just getting warmed up, baby. Say, my best days are not behind me. My best days are still to come. Tonight's going to be a blowout, man. Blow out. Blow out. Preach the gospel. Lift your other hand to the Lord. God's going to use you as a battering ram to the gates of hell. I loose the anointing to uproot, tear down, overthrow, plant, and build. In Jesus' name. Now your hand that you have up to the Lord, put it on top of your head. God gives you a sound, pure mind. In Jesus' name. Anything you went through before tonight that plagues your mind from time to time, it's taken out of your mind permanently. In Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Lift your other hand to the Lord. As I'm sure you already know, the grace of the Lord for ministry is on your life. God's going to begin to open doors for you to preach the gospel the way you always thought you should preach the gospel. That people tried to tame you down and turn a lion into a kitten but the lion's coming back alive now. It's not going to be kept in the cage, and God's going to use you to ransack the plans of the enemy. And like Samson carrying the gates to the top of the hill, you'll just do stuff to mess with the devil for fun. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and begin to thank God that his presence is here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all you got? Seven seconds of praying? With your hands, lift to begin to thank God for a little bit, that his presence is coming into your life. Just talk like this. Thank you, Jesus, that your presence is being poured out on me. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you that the plans of the wicked for my life are being undone. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you that you're going to use me to win the lost, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, everybody said. So my dad says they're going around the table talking about how they're all going to quit. If you're on the broadcast right now, just begin to share it. Norma, Linda, Raina, Kings Chapel, Alaska. Kind of weird that you're on your own broadcast, but that's between you and the Lord. LaJoy, Lynn, Donna. Share the broadcast. Glad you're up. What is it on the East Coast? 1257. It's good. It's good to stay up late. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. My dad said, when they started to go around and talk about quitting, he said it was like a fire was, like I was getting like a burning in my stomach. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, Jonathan, I'm 60 years old. And before I left on this trip, I walked, or I took my canoe and the dog and carried the canoe on my shoulder and put it in the river to go fishing. And he said, when I'm 85, whatever dog I have then, I'll take with me down to the river carry my canoe on my shoulder and put it in the water myself. He said, when I was hearing them talk, I thought, what are they talking about? I was actually just praying, asking the Lord to give me another run where I do more in this latter phase than I did in all the years before. Remember I told you about Lester Sumrall? When he built his final home in South Bend, Indiana, the Lord gave him a peculiar instruction. He built an automatic garage door, which that was no big deal. But then on the back end of the garage, he built a second automatic door with a circle driveway. And when the Lord told him to build that, he said, I don't, he was 70, I don't want you to begin your days backing up. I want you when you open this second door to start your day going forward. And he said, anytime your neighbors ask you about your peculiar garage that has two doors, one to go in and then one to go out the other side, it'll actually be a testimony to your neighbors that I never have anybody back up, that faith always moves forward. And from 70 until 86, he did more in those 16 years than he did from 16 to 70. I tell every older man and woman that the devil's been lying to you. You've been starting to feel symptoms in your body. I'm telling you, a fresh wind from heaven is coming into you right now. You shall do great things for God. You're going to explode this year. You're going to produce fruit this year. You're not winding down. You're getting warmed up for the greatest run you've ever made in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Jack Coe gets 320 out of 360 people saved or, or healed out of their beds. So they arrest him. What do you think they'd do if we emptied out 80% of the hospital? They'd go, oh, praise the Lord, they're in revival in Wasilla. No. Revenue would start dropping, and they would do the same thing they did to Catherine Kuhlman, the same thing they did to Jack Coe, the same thing they did to R.W. Shambach in America. They arrested our, uh, Jack Coe in Dade County for practicing medicine without a license. You know what he did? You know, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to cause any trouble. He actually took the picture for his newsletter that month with him holding the bars like this. And it said, Arrested, that was the title, Arrested in America for Preaching the Gospel. And he had the biggest onslaught of funds come in. And let me just tell you this, especially if you're in the ministry. If the devil ever pushes you, if you won't back down, it'll actually cause a release of heaven's funds. Actually, when the persecution comes, it's the devil knowing you're about to change levels. <coughs> when Asbury Park, or when Newark, New Jersey was giving me all kinds of problems last year, my Uncle Ted called me on the phone, who's a prophet. I played his video a little while back. 
And he said, uh, I heard they're giving you all kinds of problems in Newark and that they had the police shut your meeting down or pull the permit. I said, that's right. He said, you know, that's only happened. And he named a, a few evangelists that that's happened to. He said, you want to know what they all have in common? It should encourage you. If the city is taking steps to shut you down, it shows that you are carrying something in you that can shake that city. So the devil actually has to lose city powers to shut you down like he did for Paul. I've preached all this to let you know if tr so-called trouble. You know, people think like there's people that have taken their ministry live streams down because of like a negative comment. Oh, you know, let's just say, you know, I didn't mean to offend people. If no one's being offended, you're not preaching. The Bible says the gospel is an offense to many. We don't like, I could play a video I showed Pastor Bracken last week. This is, uh, you know, in the world, it's Gay Pride Month. There was an African preacher in Toronto. I have the video. Who preached. Somebody, there's like another me preaching. I'm competing with myself. There was an African preacher. It would take somebody from Africa. Everybody, you know, any natural born Canadian has bowed down to that system for 25 years. Well, you know, it's June. This, this African goes out and not hate, just starts preaching. Jesus loves you. You can be saved. Doesn't mention one thing about homosexuality and he's in the gay district of Toronto and he's preaching and I listened to it because if he was some hateful jerk, you're going to hell and he wasn't. He never mentioned sex, homosexuality, just Jesus loves you. You can go to heaven. Your sins can be forgiven and they arrested him in Canada for disturbing the peace and even the people that called the police, they said, was he using hate speech? Which again, don't get me into that because there's either free speech or there's not free speech. You let a group of people decide what's hate speech, you're in trouble. Can you say amen? amen? So they said in Canada, was he using hate speech? To the people that called the police, no. He wasn't using hate speech, but when you're telling people that they need Jesus and, and that they're missing something in their life, that doesn't make, exactly make you feel good, does it? Okay, so now you can get arrested for saying things that don't exactly make people feel good. Let me tell you something. When I went to the gym earlier this year and was out of shape, I'm glad my trainer didn't try to make me feel good and told me the truth. You have zero flexibility. For your age, you're very weak. We need to do this, this, and this. She was right. In fact, if she'd have told me, I don't even think you need to be here. You have the biggest muscles I've ever seen. I have never in my years of personal training seen a man as physically fit as you. Hey, what are you smoking, lady? And the Bible says the day will come where people will have itching ears looking for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. That's where we're at right now. You like to drink. You find out Pastor Daniel preaches against drinking. You don't have to quit going to church. Just go find the church where they drink. You like to have sex and you're not married. And they take a stand against that here because the Bible does. You don't have to quit going to church. Just find a church where it's okay. God understands. We're all at different levels. So people just find a church. Every one of these pro-abortion politicians has a church. That's America. There's no taking up your cross. Hillary Clinton goes to the Methodist church on Planned Parenthood's payroll. All of them, all of those candidates you can run through. A man that's running for the Democratic nomination that's married to another man has a church he attends and talks about his Christian faith. The Bible says, in the last days, many will depart from the faith. You know what they used to preach that? 
that people will fall away from God. That's not what it says. To depart from Anchorage, where do I have to have at least been? So to depart from the faith, it means many that were in the faith. John Wesley, study that guy, that preached on holiness. The logo is a cross with a fire. His horse died. He laid down on it and prayed for it and raised it back to life so he could keep going to the next meeting. And he would not be welcome to preach in his own church that he founded now. You're only one generation from losing everything that God had. Can you say amen? You move away from it. God can part the Red Sea, bring you out on dry ground, and in a handful of days, you're making a calf out of gold and bowing down to it. That's why the Bible says, keep a close watch on yourself, your teaching, and how you live. Because in this last day, there is a current to live in sin and still think you're going to heaven. But that fire that you're getting this week, you're not going to bow to this world. You're going to live holy like God wants you to live and be used to set your generation free. If you receive that, take 30 good seconds, clap your hands one more time, and give the mightiest shout of victory to God. Hey, say, say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When is the last time you've ever heard a politician say, because of my Christian faith, I cannot condone that. Never hear it. They sold Americans a Christianity that costs you nothing. Go to church when you want. If you have travel ice hockey off that weekend, you can attend. But that ain't Christianity. Take up your cross. The cross isn't cancer. The cross isn't sickness and disease. The cross is your personal commitment to carry the gospel forward in your generation. If any man, if any man wants to be my follower, he must deny himself. You know what that lets you know? That lets you know you have a flesh that wants to do its own thing. And you don't say, man, I like to drink. I'm Irish. I'm a, you listen to everybody. Everybody writes off their drinking from their ethnic background. I'm Portuguese. You know, I'm French. We, I'm, a, I'm Italian. I'm Jamaican. You know, we drink. I'm Puerto Rican. We drink. You ever notice people always just associate negative things with their background? You want to get me mad? I'm Irish. You never hear anybody say, like, I, I can't tell a lie, you know. I'm from Moldova. We don't lie. <laughs> so people write off all this stuff to their ethnic background. I drink. I get angry. You don't want to make me mad. I'll tell you. My... Everybody say, deny yourself. <laughs> that means there's going to be impulses that your flesh has that you have to say, hey, buddy, you're not running the show. I don't do what you want me to do. You do what I tell you to do from my spirit. Can you say Amen. Turn back to Jeremiah 1. Got 114 watching at a time on Facebook. Going all over the world. Can't stop this thing. Can you say amen? amen. Jeremiah 1.
you made a time to, if you made a plan with people to leave at nine, well, now was a good time to go. It's nine oh eight. <laughs> Jeremiah one, four. The Lord gave me this message: before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I set you apart, and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Put your hand on your belly where your spirit is and close your eyes. And say, God has a plan for my life. Now make it personal. Say, thank you, Father. I'm not here by accident. You've reserved me for the last hour of time. For such a time as this. Thank you that your hand is on my life. I'm not an accident. I'm of divine design. Now keep your hand on your belly, lift your other one up to the Lord and just begin to thank him out of your mouth for about 15 seconds that he's going to anoint you today, that he's going to use you. Hallelujah. You can feel the, you can feel the Lord coming into your prayers and your worship. Prendi anamabro dostegindi apata. Rimondo rebastegindi apata. Romondo rebastegindi araba. Pindi amondo robosta. Habandi arababragi. God's going to use you. God's going to use you. God's going to use you, my brother. Pindi abrastege. God's going to use you. The Lord's going to use you. You're not going to go down with the ship. You're going to rescue people off the ship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bundo Ramandie, Kidare Kitiosto Bora, Igandia Mondora Mostebani Anama, Brigodora Maste Kitia, Minia Mando, Remanda Reta, Hamanda, Ibosto. The devil thought he had you on the flat of your back, but God is raising you up by his power tonight. It's not over. It's not over. online. Lift your hands where you're watching. Like a surge, a wave of supernatural boldness comes into your spirit right now. You will not be controlled by the opinions of this world, by the opinions of backslidden people who live close to you that are trying to manipulate your destiny. No. A boldness and a fire comes into the spirit of every man and woman to rise up in God's power and fulfill the plan of God for your life. Can I tell you something? None of you will stand before Jesus Christ ashamed. All of you will stand before the Lord. <coughs> and hear, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. If you receive that, one more time, do what the Bible says. Clap your hands, all ye people. Clap it online, all over the world. Shout amen like an Alaskan earthquake. Hallelujah. The devil's not going to have this generation. The devil's not going to have your children, not one of them. He's not going to have your grandchildren. I don't care where they, I don't care if you don't even know where your daughter lives anymore. You don't know where your son went. I loose the angels of God to have an encounter with them, to drag them back on the path of life. Send Holy Ghost Christians in their path now. In Jesus' name, everybody said. You can be comfortably seated. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. Everybody say, set apart. Set apart. Yeah. Hey, come on, let's go drinking. I don't want to go drinking. Come on, we always, no, I'm not. I'm set apart. I don't go where everybody goes. I don't do what everybody does. I don't drink what everybody drinks. And everybody certainly doesn't drink what I'm drinking. Can you say amen? amen. I switched beverages. I'm on the new wine of heaven. I said I'm on the new wine of heaven. Say it so the devil can hear it. Say I'm set apart. Say I serve the Lord. I've bowed to God. I don't have to bow to anything else. Hallelujah. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. This poverty's already been broken off of you, but now you're going to go into extreme blessing. Imagine buying a car for somebody else, cash. Like you're buying a Subway sandwich. Hallelujah. And I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said I can't speak for I'm too young. The Lord said, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people. Don't fear their faces, for I will be with you and I will protect you. But say fear their faces. That's the verse that messed this whole service up. Because I meant to just go right past it and couldn't. Just preachers don't even look at the crowd when they preach. They just look over the top of their heads because they're. And so as we, and as we go to point number one, we see it's like, who are you looking at? There's nobody sitting here that's a brother of Goliath. Of their faces. Wow. Just go rattle off the same message. Eight o'clock, same message at ten o'clock, same message. And so just cry at the same place. 
Fake laugh at the same place. The Bible says as Paul was preaching, he noticed the man who was crippled in his feet from birth. No, 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 fear their faces. Can you say amen? amen. Bishop Oyedepo that has the, well, now he has the second largest church sanctuary. One of his sons in the faith just built a 100,000 seater at the beginning of the two months ago. When he was getting started, they rented a building, and the man from the government, you're going to get challenged when you advance. A man from the government came in and said, you have to have this meeting shut down by 6 p.m. tonight. It was starting at 7. And he said, something came over me. I grabbed both of his hands and began to speak in tongues. And he said, the guy was like doing everything he could to jerk his hands away. And he said, when I got done speaking in tongues, I said, do you think we serve an idol here? Anyone who moves against this church, my God will move against them. And he said, the guy ran out of his own building and never came back. We could have, could have done it the Canadian way. Sorry, you know, we're very sorry. Um, we'll be done at six, I understand. No. Whatever you don't confront, you'll never conquer. Whatever you don't resist has the right to remain. Resist the devil and he He'll what? Flee. Does it say he might flee or he will flee? He will. You know, Brother Jonathan, the devil just keeps attacking me. If he's not fleeing, you're not resisting. You want to know what resist means? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. This. I hope it goes away. It won't go away. You have to let that boldness that the Lord released in you today. Speak. Speak to your enemy. I was on a 21-day fast like in 2013, 14, at the beginning of the year. Supernatural stuff starts happening, particularly like days 17 through 21 when you get deep in, like without trying. I'm walking to my noon service in Pittsburgh, crossing the street, and a car slams on its brakes sideways, and a lady gets out of the car. Are you you're Jonathan Shuttlesworth? I said, yeah. She said, you have to come to my home. There's a demon in my daughter's bedroom. Comes every night. You have to do something. I got excited. I said, is it there now? No. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Can you get it to come back and then tell it to stay in the room till I get there? Because if you think I'm going to come in like some movie priest shaking a crucifix. Everybody say, I have light. The light of God. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, ye are the light of the world. Say something that will make any religion you have left in you tremble. Say, I am the light of the world. Because the light of the world lives in me. I'm going to tell you right now, if there was somebody having a, 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 like a mental problem, a demonic problem, I wouldn't pray for him. You know what I would do? I'd have them ride in the passenger seat of my car when I drive back to Big Lake. And I promise you, in 30 minutes, there, well, I'd like to see what devil could sit in the passenger seat with me for 30 minutes. I wouldn't even say anything. I would just sit and drive. And he'd snap out of it. Because that darkness and light cannot cohabitate the same place. And darkness doesn't drive out light, Martin Luther King Jr. said. Light drives out darkness. Lift both hands all over this place. I know where I am. There's a lot of people in Alaska. They love God with all their heart, but there's a lingering addiction. Hardcore drug, 
alcohol, you know, alcohol is worse than the hardcore drugs. You can die from booze, booze withdrawal. My formerly drug-addicted barber told me about when he was in jail. There was a guy going through booze withdrawal that ended up dying. He was cracking imaginary beers open and drinking them. You tell me that's, and then you got pastors in skinny jeans telling you that you should be drinking. Somebody should slap the taste out of their mouth. You won't even know where they are in 15 years. Too dumb to breathe. Tell people that they should be dabbling in alcohol. Intoxication of all forms is condemned in the Bible. How difficult is it to interpret, be sober-minded, vigilant unto the coming of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? Every lingering bondage that had the stupidity to come into this room with you, I send it to hell tonight by angelic express mail in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I tell every man in the sound of my voice that you've been battling and you've been doing well, you've been free for a while, that's, but it, the devil hangs it over your head like it's just a matter of time and you're going to fall back. Your life's going to be ups and downs. Number one, cut the language of Alcoholics Anonymous. You're not recovering. Don't, don't say that bondage stuff. Um, you know, once an addict, always an addict. Shut up. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold all things. Welcome to your new life. By the blood of Jesus, born of the blood, born of the water, born of the spirit. You're not going to die. You're going to live and declare the goodness of God while you're yet in the land of the living. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has given you the victory. Hey! I'm not going to read, don't fear their faces. For I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out. Because what did he say? I'm too young. He wasn't bold enough. So then the Lord reached out and touched his mouth. Everybody say divine touch. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. You can't do what God asks you to do in your own strength. He gives you a divine touch. With Isaiah, he took a coal of fire and touched his mouth. You lay down the gifts of the Spirit, you're a sitting duck. Because it's actually what the Lord uses to protect you. Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Now listen to this. I meant to just get right to this like an hour and a half ago. Today, everybody say today. today. I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. So a preacher like me in, in our modern hours, an anomaly. I don't think you should talk about the government. It's actually an anointing to let the devil know you ain't going to infringe on the church. God said, I appointed you not to stand with, but to be there and pray at the thing. We'd like you to open the Alaska State Legislature with prayer. Just don't use the name of Jesus. Okay, no problem. No, give me a, get somebody else to pray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Click. 
I did it in Pennsylvania. We want you to pray. Just one thing. Don't, don't, just one word you can't say. We ask that you don't say the name of Jesus. Then get somebody else to pray. Goodbye. How are you going to pray and not say the name of Jesus? The Bible says you go to the Father in what name? Yeah. We want you to make a phone call. Just don't dial any numbers. Can't do it. Never bow. Stand. Love people but hate the wicked system. If this whole church was filled with women that had abortions and came to hear me, you'd hear the most loving message you ever heard. Love sinners. But if it was full of Planned Parenthood executives, you would hear an Old Testament prophet. The women are being taken advantage of. The people that profit off of it. That's another story. Can you say amen? Don't ever allow yourself to get comfortable with evil. Don't ever lose your irritation at wickedness. You never get people delivered until you get disgusted with sin. You know, I didn't even used to know there was a thing called cutting, that there were teenagers that cut their arms. And I remember the first time I heard it, even the person that was telling me, you know, was like, well, yeah, there's like 30 million teenagers that do that and they cut themselves and they can't feel any relief till they do it. And when I... The first girl that showed me the scars on her arms and said, I'd like prayer. She didn't say, like, can you care? She said, I want prayer. I went to pray, and something rose up in me. I grabbed her arms with a cut marks, and I said, like, I don't even know what I was saying. You foul spirit that makes this girl cut herself. Who do you think you are? Leave her now. She opened her eyes. I felt something leave. Man, it'll never come back. My friend, my friend, two seats in. Yeah, meet me in the aisle. Power of God's all over you. Praise God. Thank God for all that he did. Put your hand where, you're, where you lost some vision. Now the whole... God. No, 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 you. Put, put your hand on your eye. Put your hand on your eye. In Jesus' name. Lift the other one up. In Jesus' mighty name. healed. Everything that stroke took from your body, I command it to come all the way back. If you joined us tonight, she came in here and couldn't walk without assistance. Now she's walking without assistance, but some vision needs to come back, and it comes back now. Amen. Listen, before you clap, I'm telling you this deadly seriously. You are not allowed to leave tonight's meeting carrying anything that, that Jesus redeemed you of. This is not a 15-year struggle. This is enough is enough. Lift your hands one final time. Every hand lifted. Every sickness and disease. Every bondage. Invisible, visible. People that can't stay out of jail. Where it's like a demonic thing. You get released. And it's only a matter of time before you're back in. I break every hold of the devil. Over your life and over your family. In Jesus mighty name. With your hands lifted, just thank him one more time out of your mouth that you're free. I'm going to say thank you that I'm free. And I mean start to thank him for real. Thank, thank you that I'm free. 
And you can't say, thank you that I'm free, and then 15 minutes later say, I need prayer. Be free. Get free and be free. Quit saying you battle with something that Jesus delivered you from. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free. In Jesus' name, everybody said. You look better every night. God bless you. Going to be 94 on the 4th of July. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down. Remember, say uproot and tear down. Destroy and overthrow. And then next, others, plant and build. Everybody likes the plant and build part. You know, we have a vision to plant 100 churches. I'm all for that. You hear that's a big move in the assemblies of God. People just plant. But it's not just plant and build. The Bible says love what is good, hate what is evil. The devil doesn't care if you build 300 churches in a month if people can come inside them bound and leave bound. You are called as a minister, especially like me. You don't have an option. Ezekiel said, I'm a watchman on the wall. You actually stand on behalf of the nation. What do you think commentary about what goes on in America is reserved for people on Fox News and MSNBC and I, I can't say anything? Every time I go to promote a video on Facebook, they say your account is not qualified to speak about na- matters of national importance. I beg to differ. <laughs> there should be somebody telling the nation. Like Lester Summerall used to, like John Hagee does. But that generation's like fading. gone or fading. John Hagee's about like the last one of that generation that would point at the TV camera and tell the government that they, they took it a step too far and then pray and get it reversed. But now there's a new generation. Can you imagine if what God wanted to do in America actually began in Wasilla and Anchorage in this valley? I know it sounds unlikely, but it also sounds unlikely that the worldwide Pentecostal movement would be birthed out of a feed store at Azusa Street in 1906 by a black preacher blind in one eye that got kicked out of the regular, that's why they had to meet in a feed, in a feed store. Got kicked out of the regular church because they didn't want there to be an interracial service. The LA Times, you should read what the LA Times wrote about them. The media's always hated the Christians. If any preachers are watching me online, don't ever give in interviews unless the Lord speaks to you to do it. Like Pastor Daniel just did one. The ladies are, comes to the meetings, did a favorable thing about the church. There, this isn't 1950. You don't need the newspaper. They actually need you. Yeah. Do all your speaking from the platform, and then if people want to hear what you have to say, tell them to be at the next meeting. Amen. When I was doing my crusade in New Jersey, they said there's a newspaper reporter that wants to hear what you have to say. I said, then tell her to stay for the service. I say everything I have to say from right there. Then I go take a nap. They don't want to stay for the meeting. Well, then, then you don't write anything. I don't need your one retweet and three likes. I already checked the thing. The newspaper, I had triple the followers they have. The church actually has more influence than what she knows. Go, good luck finding something in Wasilla with this many people at it right now. And it's not a one-night show. There's actually basically the same amount of people were here at noon. And it's been going like that for 21 services. Four last Sunday, two a night, Saturday off, four this Sunday with him. Two last night, two tonight. 
So they, they, they don't cover it on the news, but who cares? Nobody watches it anyway. If CNN, if CNN wanted to do an interview with me, who cares? They're 26th in the nightly ratings. Nick at night is 22. People would rather watch Tom and Jerry. See, one of the main problems they had in this country is they, they underestimated how intelligent the American people are. They thought they could just flood television with a bunch of stuff, tell everybody what to like and what to do, and everybody would listen, but they were wrong. Because they're actually, in this nation, is still enough of a godly root. Now you watch. All of the men and women that have been in these meetings, including tonight, even one night, God will do such a work in them that your family for generations after you are now going to have a grandpa. If the Lord tarries 50 years, that has a soft spot for ch the church, prays for the people. What many of you never had, praying parents, your children will know what it's like to have parents that pray, that contend for the faith. <laughs> Lift both hands. Your family begins a new chapter tonight with you. Your last name takes new meaning with you. Whatever it was known for before, it's going to be known for carrying God's power. Your children, your children's children. Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say uproot. Everybody say tear down. How do you do it? By picketing, by writing your congressman. You do it with the gifts of the Spirit. All of the outdoor crusades that I've done were by invitation from the city or by a city leader. Other than Clarksburg, West Virginia, which had the highest heroin usage per capita in the country. And I was reading that they had the higher, you know, they had 27, it's a town of 16,000. How many does Wasilla have? How many, what's the population of Wasilla? And about under 10,000 was well, Clarksburg similar, 16,200. And they would have weekends where like 19 people overdosed to death in one weekend in a town of 16,200. So it was like in one weekend. So it's through the roof. I read the article, get ready to turn the page and read sports. And I feel the Lord turn me back to it, back to the article. And I feel as clear as day. Go down there and put a stop to that. Well, I know. See, that's the difference between... Ineffectual Christians and effectual Christians. Hey, isn't that a shame? We just pray at the Lord's. But then when you, when you hear the Lord's plan for you and you go and you realize you're there to destroy things. So on, on opening night, we have 1,300 West Virginians, probably 85% of whom are totally unchurched, unsaved, you know, raw heathens. And I stood up and said what the Lord put on my heart to say. I said, how many of you know about the major heroin problem that's in your town? They all lifted their hands. I said, well, if you're wondering what this event's about and why I'm here. You know, this isn't how you're trained to speak as a preacher, but we're here putting on a nice thing for you. We're gonna I said, if you want to know why I'm here, the Lord sent me to put a stop to this heroin problem. And I said, that's why I'm here. I'm going to deliver the word of God out of this book, and I'm going to put a divine stop to the devil's plan to destroy your children and destroy your life. Well, you're clapping. They didn't clap. They just went like this. Okay, I don't know what that means, but I'll give you a try. And then you could see, like, on the state troopers' faces, because you have to have so many police at an event like that. There's this, like, and you can't blame them, like, this sneering look, like, oh, you're here, great. We've been trying our best for the last five years, but now you're here with your little suit and your Bible. I'm sure that's going to help. 
You know, can't blame them for thinking like that. But then what happened was, on opening night, when we had five heroin dealers come forward to receive Jesus Christ, one didn't even have a shirt on, just sweaty. I mean, he looked like it. It's not like they told you he was a heroin dealer. You're like, really? Oh, never would have thought. I thought he was valedictorian from Harvard. <laughs> he walks down, sweaty, no shirt, comes down, and the state trooper leans over to our crusade director and says, do you see that guy? That's the top heroin dealer here. We've been looking for him. We've had a warrant out for him for two weeks. I can't believe he's here. I can't believe it. And they let him come and pray. You know, the next night, those heroin dealers came and brought all their clients that came to them during the week or during the next 24 hours. They said, hey, I'm here to, here to buy some heroin. They'd say, listen, I'm not going to sell you any heroin. I want you to come with me tonight at 6 o'clock, and there's this skinny guy. He's going to scream at you for like 90 minutes. But it's a very weird kind of screaming. The more he screams, you like feel better. They don't even know what preaching is or anything. So then the, when we give the altar call the next night, the heroin dealers come up and start waving their people forward. We had, we had convicts hugging the police officers after the thing and telling them they're sorry. Town of 16,200 and you got 1,500 there? 10% of the town? And then you go for two weeks? So then I get this idea. Now that we've had so many people saved and we go a second week, which you go a second week at a church is very nice, but they already have the building. There it's like an extra 60 grand. Got to rent the sound, everything. And then... Uh, I had an idea. I said, you know, okay, we've had, we've had people saved, a lot of people saved. Let's have a night where we now display the power of the Holy Ghost to, to these people that have only been saved a handful of days. So I have my Uncle Ted that I played before, that you saw him call people out in the Word of Knowledge in church. I'm going to show you how the gifts of the Spirit work to pull down strongholds. This is going to take less than 10 minutes, and then I'm going to keep my promise and pray for everybody, and you'll be home before sundown. Amen. Sunsets at like at 11.34, so. Boy, it'd be great being a kid in Alaska. I had to be in bed by dark. I'll take that deal any day here. So go ahead. Roll, roll day three. Watch this. Four-minute highlight reel. The devil getting his rear end kicked in West Virginia. On Tuesday night at Festival of Life in Clarksburg, people were saved, delivered from addictions, and healed from diseases. Check it out. I pray you would show this new generation you turn it that up you are still the almighty God who made the heavens and the earth, and that there's no Red Sea you can't part, there's no mountain you can't move, there's no sickness you can't heal, there's no family that you can't restore. Let tonight be a night of great demonstration of your power. I mean, I always believe in God and stuff, you know, I just, I never felt nothing like that before, but. Bill Campbell and his wife Jennifer gave their hearts to Jesus at Festival of Life in Clarksburg, and with their salvation, they also received healing. The Lord showed me it was a small bleed here in the brain. Did you go to a doctor to find Never out been to church. Was? What did he tell you? He said it was caused by a tumor. Did they tell you they'd take it out? You have an operation. They take the tumor out. But the other day, the symptoms came back on you. How would he know? 
How'd he know that he was sick? You know, he wouldn't. You know, he wouldn't know what he was struggling with. The doctor couldn't do it, so we called in another doctor. His name's Jesus. Somebody shout, Dr. Jesus. There it is. Lift your hands. He's going to be healed. Jesus of Nazareth. Let the power of God go through Bill. Just let him sit there. He can't stand under that anointing. Now look at me. You'll see your eye came open. Has it? Clear? Blurriness gone? It's just like I felt like a new person. It just, you know, I just felt like everything went away at that point. It felt great. Bill's wife, Jennifer, was next. The other night, you coughed and coughed for over a half hour. He had to get you some water. Now, it doesn't make any difference what the pain is in your chest you're causing. It. If you get healed tonight, you're healed. Yeah, I did. Well, I, I've, had, I've been having chest pains. And I thought it was stress, you know, work, stress, you know, whatever, whatever. And it was hard for me sometimes to breathe. And for him to say that to me, how could you even know? I curse the taste of nicotine in the name of Jesus Christ. It was awesome. Awesome. Now watch what happened. Jennifer wasn't the only one delivered from nicotine. As a sign of their faith, people brought all of their cigarettes to the Looks altar. like somebody robbed the liquor store. Just wait Hallelujah. Have like a white stripe top on. Hallelujah. I didn't know what to believe until he told me what was wrong with me. And I know I never talked to him or nobody about it. You have three conditions in your body. I feel the Lord showed me this afternoon when I was praying. One of the problems is in your legs and you're starting to lose feeling in your legs and feet. Deborah Johnson could barely make it down the steps to the altar. I mean, I could barely walk. It hurt so bad stand up or even bend down with my knees. Thank the good Lord, he healed my body. I was praying, I saw your face. And I said, who is this woman? I knew the Lord said, you'll meet her when you get to the meeting. And I did. I, yeah, I believed and I believed you could be healed. But I had never been prayed over to be healed. Jesus, heal this woman in her hips now. I command the numbness circulation to be healed. I just felt a lot of pressure left my body and something just entered it. And I got, uh, my legs got strength in them and I couldn't stop them. <laughs> they just wanted to go. Go out of her body in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. I haven't walked like this in a long time. Take off and walk across there and test it out. In just three services, 579 people received Jesus. I got something better than a prize. I got Jesus and I got healed. So, so then they all go out and tell their friends. So then the next night you got like a ton of sinners there that are now like they're expecting to be healed. Day four, go ahead. Just pretend this isn't happening because it'll hold the cards. (laughs) 
On Wednesday night, the entire audience was promised personal prayer, and as a result, the miracles were so mighty that there were too many to count. But there were at least a dozen deaf ears open. Check it out. My right ear, you hear pop. It popped. I felt a pop. Miracles were popping up all over the Clarksburg Amphitheater. You found deaf spirit in the mighty name of Jesus, the head of the church. Come. Oh! What happened? Tonight was the most wonderful night I have ever had. God absolutely restored my hearing both left and right. Open for the glory of God. Clear. Clear. I have been diagnosed with hand loss since I was five years old. I am now 30 years old. What happened? I can hear. Your ears just came open. You believe Jesus did it? Yes. He did it then. He did it tonight. He'll do it for them. He did it for me. for the good for all of you. I've got it. Jesus did it. I'm not deaf now. In the power of God, he has opened my ears. Lacey Workman's ears were opened after 25 years. And next was Renita Mitchell, who had been deaf for over 30 years. You were in a car accident when you were eight. Yes. Um, I was in a car accident when I was eight years old, and I hit my head off of the road, and, and from what I was told, ruptured my eardrum. You found deaf spirit that came to her when she was eight. Through an accident, you cannot stay. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come. Oh, in Jesus. You hear me a little better, don't you? What happened? It popped. And <laughs> I can hear for the first time in 31 years. Your ear popped open? There's been many a times when I doubted and I didn't believe, even though, you know, even though I believe in God, even though I go to church, even though I read my Bible, there's been many times that I, I doubted and just didn't think that God heard my prayers. But I'm here to tell you that he does. Pastor Tim Nichols had two prayers answered. I'm a pastor of a church and I can't hear the people when I'm praying, when they're asking me for prayer and I couldn't hear them and understand them and I need my hearing so I can help the people. In one of your eyes, the enemy tried to bring a problem in one of the eyes. Isn't that right? Yes. True? Yes. You're going to get two miracles tonight. He had that all down right. And my eye, when he talked about it, I had a piece of metal cut clear across my eye. And it was caused me a lot of problems. There it is for the glory of God. What happened? Oh, that ear's coming clear. It came open and it's clear. Someone say it's coming clear. This is real. This is God. This is the God that loves us. He cares very much about us and he wants to heal us. Oh, he loves me. <laughs> he, he does. Dorothy Fox felt the love of God when she received her healing. I just believe that the Lord was going to touch me tonight. Two things. Number one, the Lord's going to make your blood right. The beginning of diabetes, is that right? That's right. I heard the Lord say to me, is going away. Praise God. In one of your legs, you've already started losing feeling, and it gets shaky in that leg. That's been a, it's been a struggle, and it's affected my legs, and uh, the neuropathy was beginning to happen also, and I've been battling arthritis as well. One more thing, right here in the back of your neck and into your shoulder, the beginning of arthritis and some restriction and pain, true? 
Yes. Move your head any way you want. You'll see there's no pain. No pain. And no pain for Earl Kelly either, after living in daily pain from an accident 20 years ago. I've never seen anything ago. like this before. He has since. no kneecap. He fell. How many feet? 39 feet. The doctor put a bunch of pins and a bolt wire in there. He has no kneecap. You just feel all this metal. Well, I just never knew when my legs was going to kick out from under me and I'd go down sometimes and hurt myself. Oh, my goodness, sir. How many see a kneecap here? Can you see it? Pastor, if you put your hand there, you're going to feel a kneecap now. You feel that? Felt like the leg was coming more alive. You feel that? You do, don't you? Yes, sir. I felt a pop when it bent. It hurt, but it felt good. This would be what we would call a creative miracle. He believed in God's wonderful healing power. We both did. Start walking across there on your new kneecap. I feel wonderful. Come to Jesus tonight, and he'll not only save you, he'll take what the devil meant to destroy your life and turn it around in one night. 683 people have received Jesus so far this week, and we are just past the halfway point. Even more have had their lives forever changed. For Festival of Life, I'm Stephanie Esposito. Stand on your feet, everybody. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, what you I thank you. I couldn't thank you enough. I thank you again for what you did in West Virginia there. And now I thank you for the great people of Alaska as they've come here night after night after day after day to hear your word and be healed and changed. I pray that tonight every lingering problem would be destroyed permanently in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray you would fill them with your fire. Like you did in West Virginia, if they need something, if something was taken out by surgery, recreate organs, recreate knees, put cartilage back in knees. Your people shouldn't hurt. Life is not supposed to be a struggle. You said so. You said you've come that we might have life and have it in all of its fullness. As I pray for your people, I pray you would fill them with your power. Fill them with yourself. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, first things first. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you once knew him, but you're in sin. If you came last night and got saved, you don't have to come again tonight. Unless you murdered someone between last night and tonight or committed adultery, or stole from somewhere, but you're saved. This, is, this isn't confessional where you keep coming back. You're born again. I was saying new, pe new people, somebody invited you. You know, you listen to all those people from West Virginia. They all believed in God, but they weren't saved. You know, I believe, they believed God could heal, but they weren't saved. The devil knows God can heal. The devil knows the Bible's true, but he ain't going to heaven. You have to get into covenant with God, which means you are my God and I'm going to serve you. Not we're equals when I feel like it and what parts of your book I agree with. No, you're my God. You're my Lord. I submit my life to you. 
If you're here and you've never done that, or you once did, but for whatever happened in life, just even I've heard that video a hundred times and listening to those people again, you know, you might have had something like really bad happen, like an accident or your husband just up and left and took all the money and something hit you like, like a whirlwind. Got knocked on your back, got the wind knocked out of you. And it's not like you even made a decision, like I'm not going to church. You just like have been out of it, just trying to survive and keep your head above water. But the grace of God brought you here tonight for you to hear the word and be saved. Of all the things we're going to overthrow in this nation, why not start with overthrowing the hold of sin on your life? Because when you kick that out, you kick any access point the devil has to get in and destroy you. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. Either you've never given your life to the Lord publicly or you once did but you fell away from God. Something happened and you got disconnected and you know the Lord brought you here tonight to come back. I want you to quickly lift your hand up high and wave it at me and we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. Keep it up high. I see you in the back. Who else? I see you in the back. I see you on the side. Anyone else? I see you at front. Anyone else before we pray? Very quickly, everybody that lifted a hand, the boldest you've ever done anything. Step out of your seat and come and join me at the altar and we're going to pray right now. Come right now in Jesus' name. Every hand that was lifted, come now. This is your moment. This is your moment. Today marks an end to all your struggle. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord and pray this prayer of faith after me. This prayer works. Say it from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Take a step back on the ground. I want you to take a step. How old is he? Seven years. Congratulations. Be blessed. Can I bless you? You ready? Yes, yes, yes. Be blessed. Life will not be a struggle anymore. God will be your helper. As you serve him, he will take care of you. And with or without your permission, I set your son apart to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That what the devil meant for bad, God will take and turn for good. In Jesus' mighty name. That's why there was a fight over your son from before he was born. The enemy tried to see to it that he never saw the light of day. 
but God brought him out to be a deliverer to his generation. Jesus. Be blessed. Be blessed. <laughs> Put your hand on your belly. How'd you like a new pancreas and new kidneys? Then have them. Be whole. There it is. Go right in there. You guys can stay right there. I'm going to take an offering tonight. I'm just going to go. You know, how do you go to a psychic? Even if the psychic knew that lady had been in a car accident, that would be it. And then you go, wow, that's true. But the Lord not only knows, the Lord carries the power to do something about it. My uncle would say, you were in a car accident when you were eight and lost your hearing. That's true. And then we all clapped and went to the next person. The Lord knows about what's happened. And then the Lord will do, give power to do something about it. Amen. Hey, my friend from Fred Meyer. Nice to see you again. Speaking of Fred Meyer. <laughs> the last thing I want to tell you before I pray for everybody. Who you hang out with matters. You'll hear enough messages about not having bad friends and stuff. But I'm going to tell you, my uncle there, I don't receive him as my uncle. I receive him as a prophet. And when I started hanging around these meetings, that stuff started to jump onto me. The things of the spirit, old preachers say, are more caught than taught. Timothy, the faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I see now resides in you close association. That's why we do two days of me uh, two meetings a day for two weeks. You can't come here and not catch stuff. You're not even trying to catch. I guarantee if I could take you one-on-one, -on -one, anyone that's been coming to most of these meetings would have at least one story from the last 10 days of where somebody said something like they were going through a hard time and something of faith shot out of your mouth to them. God will take care of you. The Lord, and you were even thinking while you were saying it, who is this talking? You caught something. Association and the laying on of hands. The quality of your life will largely be determined by the quality of hands that are laid on your head. And I'm going to lay my hands on your head tonight. And what the Lord put in me is going to flow into you. And I will leave this state late Friday night. But what you receive tonight will never leave your life. That lady with the blonde hair that I prayed for yesterday, I think it's the same one. Come right out. I know I just prayed for you last night, but God's not Bernie Sanders, so you can have more than one. <laughs> Lift both hands, close both eyes. Last night, the Lord lifted all the heavy burdens, but now he's going to fill you with joy from the inside. And it will never run dry. Any lingering effect from whatever tragedy happened, its, it's hold on you is destroyed. Put your hands even higher. My new best friend. 
Lift both hands. God is going to use you so mightily. Don't marry an idiot. Don't marry an idiot. If you're not sure if he's an idiot, send me a picture. I can immediately tell. Lift both hands and close both eyes. I'm telling you, life goes so much easier if you don't marry a dummy. Thing on, step right out real quick, and then I, I won't call too many people out. I'll just get right to praying out, outside. Come right up. Hallelujah. I'm very sorry. I felt something come upon me like at 9:50, and I <laughs> lift both hands. <laughs> come unto me. All ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Jesus' name. Enough. Enough, enough people cry, crying private tears, crying themselves to sleep every night. This girl with the nice blue glasses on, come right now. Obviously, anybody with eyes can see that you have glasses on. Take them off. And I want to tell you, whatever they diagnose that there's a deteriorating condition and they have to watch it or it'll get worse, lift your hand. You will never need corrective surgery. Amen. Your eyes will not get worse. I pray like that girl that I prayed for in Philadelphia that was legally blind and then went to 2020, confirmed by the public school nurse. That thing that hangs over your head about your eyes, You'll never lose vision, and your vision comes perfect. That's it. How many of the meetings have you come to? Is this your first one? Or you've been to a few? I know at some point, Something came into your heart where you were watching the other miracles and you thought, I wonder if the Lord would do that for my eyes. And when that even rose up in your heart, the Lord met you. Amen. Hallelujah. I was going to tell you this. You know, it's not like I'm trying to like work up a crowd. Or hype up a crowd. I feel sometimes, I wish it was more often. It's one of the reasons I'm fasting and praying, so it'll be routine. I feel like somebody like standing with me when I'm preaching. Like, like now. I mean, like, I can tell I have somebody with me. And, and then when that happens, then that, that's when there's miracles. Not just people being healed, but miracles. You mind if I pray for you? Come right out. I know you love the Lord. Lift both hands. Now take one hand and put it where your heart is and put the other hand where your stomach is. And I tell you, from however you live before you receive the Lord, any lingering effects that are in your body, the Lord gives you a brand new bloodstream. 
The Lord strengthens your heart. And then any effect it's had on your lower organs, God restores them all, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. And I know, I know, I know. I know we don't go by how we feel, but it feels good to feel him with you. I know we're anointed whether we, but I'm telling you, I, let me pray for my friend. I think you've been in every service. Put one hand on your heart, lift the other one to the Lord. Mondo repa, ikaste bobrada, nutushte babrigitia, mendia paturebo, agaresto porebushte mandiamato, ikandiomotore basteva. Just like that little girl, your faith reached out to God, come right out. Put your hand where it was, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you've desired for the Lord to do for your body does it right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus. 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 You were always a strong man. You're going to finish a strong man. I, I'll just tell you, I don't know anything about being old because I'm only 38, but I'm going to tell you what I know in my spirit right now. Anybody that's like the devil haunts you, that you've been starting to have like pr little problems and you just feel like, you know, that's how you're going to end. You're going to have to get carried around. And I tell you, it ain't going to happen. You should, if you wanted to get carried around and be weak in your old age, you should have stayed home. You've sat here too long. We are not weak in this family. We are not sick in this family. We are strong. As our days are, so shall our strength be. That faith comes into you right now. The gift of faith makes you well. Come loose. You don't even have to stand up in the green there. Just lift both your hands where you're at. The blessing of the Lord that you've enjoyed in some measure shall begin to overflow in your life. I'm talking like the kind of blessing that will trigger an IRS audit because there's no way someone can make that much like that. And after they get done auditing, they'll have to lift their hands and say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Everyone in this row, report to the altar. Stand shoulder to shoulder right across. Lift both hands to the Lord. Hima regista bobrada. Hallelujah. Every doctrine of devil that's been loosed through Viacom and the public school and everything else to destroy your life. Everything tragic that's happened that nobody knows about that the devil tried to use to destroy your life. I undo it as God said.
what the enemy had planned for any of your summers? Is this going to be a summer where you draw close to God?
welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Welcome to your new home church. You can she can stay and the rest of you can return to your seat. I don't know if she knows where she is or not. Hey, you can stay here. Let the Lord touch you. God's going to use you. Come up on the stage with me. Come on, you have permission. See how I have a kid? I know. Go ahead and lift your hands like you were before. Now you see why I get a little irritated when you hear people in other churches say this is fake and stuff. They push those people down. You think I pushed that guy with the orange vest down? You need to take a physics class. <laughs> Stupid. You think she's faking? They pay those people to do it. You paid her? Yeah, I met her at a merry-go-round and gave her $20. So at the end, I'm going to have you come up on the stage, and I want you to, like, shake and fake cry. And she agreed, had her sign a paper with a lawyer. People out of their minds. The Holy Ghost is real. Yes. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's not the Father, the Son, and the Word. I mean, you know, we need the Father, we need Jesus, we need the Word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three co-equal. Pastor, can you say amen? Just lift your hands one more time. Now you can put your hands down, grab any valuables you have. Nobody leave until everybody's been prayed for. It won't take me long. I want everybody to report to the parking lot. Don't greet anybody along the way. Ushers will help line you up. You're the fastest lining up people I've ever been around. And then I'm going to lay hands on everybody, and then you can go your separate ways. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.